Welcome to Pod at the Montecito, the world's premier podcast discussing the it NBC television show Las Vegas. I'm one of your hosts, Judson Clark. I'm your other host, Eddie McCarthy, and still just the most accurate intro in the game. You know, if we can be one thing, let's let it be that. <laughs> it's good. It's good to aim low. Well, I mean, most accurate intro in all of the podcast game. I feel like that's a niche that no one else is monopolizing. So go ahead and get on that street corner. Lock it down. Somebody's got to. Might as well be us. Ed, I think we have some business to take care of. We do. Uh, long, long ago. We, we had this very last weekend, November 7th, as a bet that we were going to look at of how is college football doing with respect to COVID. And how is it doing? Not great, but not so terrible that more than 50% of the scheduled games were played. I'm the baddest motherfucker on the planet. Now bring me my money. Including my Notre Dame fighting Irish upsetting number one Clemson. Life is grand. Without their star quarterback. Oh, no. They only had to turn to their five star who's going to be the next Heisman winning quarterback. And also their God tier best ACC running back of all time was in the game and got one yard per carry. So fucking miss me with that nonsense. I thought you were going to say when you said especially or notably, whatever the hell you said, I wasn't really listening. I was basking in my space box. (laughs) I thought you were going to highlight that the University of Houston Cougars have, in fact, played a game and therefore your uh, your safety valve. Did not get used. The Cougars did finally get on the board. Uh, I, I should have used Wisconsin. Obviously, we didn't know when the Big Ten and Pac-12 were going to start back up. So you getting those extra games definitely helped because we did have 10 canceled this weekend. Now, yeah. granted, some of those were, in fact, Big Ten and Pac-12 games. So eh, what you really, going to do? Hats off to the Big Ten and Pac-12 for deciding, you know what, now's the time to show up, right when this coronavirus is on the major upswing. Yeah, and if we were to have had that bet for this weekend, ooh, buddy, I yeah. do not uh, do not know how that would have gone. So where do we stand on the Space Buck scoreboard, TM, TM, TM? With 50 to you, right from my cold, dead hands, you move up to 11.45. Okay, okay, I can work with that. Not uh, not Not too shabby there. I, of course, am on 8.55, if those of you who like doing math hadn't figured that out yet. But figured you probably had. If they like doing math, they probably already have done it. It's the people who don't like doing math that might have been helpful for. Ah, the normal people. I don't know that any listener of this podcast can really get away with calling themselves normal. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's fair. Well, my friend, shall we do what we've been paid to come here to do? So generously and so lavishly. Let's do the damn thing. It's season one, episode 14, things that go jump in the night. Wordplay. We open on the casino floor with Ed and Danny. And man, I would love to give them benefit of the doubt here. But stereotyping that gay man right off the jump. And then Ed and Danny seeming repulsed by the notion of helping him out. Not a great, uh, that, that felt like a very early 2000s scene. Yeah. Hey, look, we've got a gay guy in our show, but we are going to make fun of him. Yeah, not uh, not great. Not necessary. Didn't really serve the plot in any way. Not a not a great jumping off point. 
when he said his room was contaminated, what did you think he meant? Obviously, you've seen the episode now, but like first viewing, take us back. I was thinking that there was going to be something on the walls, perhaps an inexplicable dead animal somehow. There were a lot of things that could have gone. I was not expecting what we ended up getting, which is just somebody didn't flush a deuce. Yeah, that was weird. Also weird, Ed snapping Danny's crutch in half after mentioning he casually violated HIPAA by speaking to Danny's doctor. I, I think it was very clear that when Danny said, hey, you uh, you want to take this one? That that has been happening a lot lately. And sure. Ed realized, you know what? Time's up on this. We're going to go ahead and put it into this. Called the doc, found out Danny's been fine. He doesn't need the crutch anymore. It's time to reassert the level of dominance. How long, if at all, do you think the doctor resisted telling Ed what his confidential patient records would indicate about Danny's condition? Did he pretend to put up a fight? I don't think so. The only way that it wouldn't have happened is if Danny was seeing a specialist not in Las Vegas. But since we know that there's no chance of that happening, Big Ed, we, we've seen Big Ed's bedside manner with doctors in the past. And I'm sure that if they didn't know him, they were quick to fold. Yeah, I think Ed's name and face have been put up on a doctor bulletin board in the break room. Just give this man what he wants. Forget the laws. It's it's much qu- quicker and cleaner this way. He's going to get what he wants. Just give it to him. Mike is walking through the casino floor with Ed's golf clubs for reasons, as one does. Stops to flirt with a woman, which provides Danny an opportunity to steal a golf club. We'll later learn is the six iron to use as a cane. Questionable choice in club going with the six iron. Mm, See, I was thinking that that's a very strong choice. I feel like if you're going to go anything, I feel like putter is your first play. No, see, I I do want the the smooth blade as a handhold because you got to put the rubber end down for that extra friction. Right. I think I think a blade is going to be more ergonomic than a putter. But I take umbrage with the length. Danny's a tall guy. I don't know that a six iron is the right height. Especially given the amount of height he's got on Big Ed. I, I might have been looking for a three or a four. I don't know where Big Ed's hybrids are, but at minimum a five. Hmm. That's fair. I was I was thinking the the level of the angle you're getting on a six iron would be fairly comfortable for the hand. Possible. But I think length is uh is most remain here. So Danny goes up to Mr. Lapier's room, as we've established, flushes a floater, wants a new room. This Lafayette guy thinks it should be free. It seems like a lot of work to pack up and move, though. I would want maybe some sort of comp. I think that's a reasonable ask. I maybe have housekeeping come and give my bathroom another another clean. But I don't know that I'm going to pack up all my shit and move. No pun intended. Yeah, get you a free meal at Mystique is really all you should be looking for there. Yeah. Especially when we we also got Danny saying, here's the thing. We have cameras in the hallway and nobody's come in or out of this room except for you. So. So they're obviously setting us up there because then when the housekeeper comes and grabs his attention, we're thinking, oh, sewage problem. This will be an entertaining episode of the hit NBC television show, Las Vegas. But no, it's a bunch of pills and a suicide note. Which the pills ended up being a really weird non-factor. Well, and the suicide note, he ends with fabulous Montecito. So I at least like that he's appreciating the brand on his way out. <laughs> if you're if, if he's going to kill himself, he wants to do it in style. Yeah, I, I, I respect that about the guy will know, soon to know as Fred. I have to back up, though, because not only were the pills a non-factor, what happened with the poop? Lapier was pretty insistent that he has not had a movement 
since he arrived in Vegas. I guess the show decided very quickly that since they had Danny on the appropriate floor for a security or a maid to come and find him and say, "Uh uh-oh, suicide note, that they were uh, done with that line of inquiry. I don't know. The show abruptly is ending after five seasons, and I like to think that season six, episode one, we might have gotten to the bottom of the poop caper, but (laughs) I guess not caper. What's the opposite of a caper? A poop placement? Poopception? A poopception, I believe, is the appropriate terminology here. (laughs) Hell of of an episode title name, by the way. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. We come out of the credits where Ed is focused on the quarterly P&L reports, which apparently he's mentioned quite a few times. When Danny brings up the suicide note, Ed mentions he doesn't want him dying on property. Danny gets a great line in there. You want me to book him in at the poems? I genuinely popped for that line so hard. I laughed heartily. So this will be our first of two poems mentions in the episode. And I do have I do have a factoid to share with you at the end. I think you're really going to like it. Did some top notch research on this one. Is it about how much the fucking Maloof brothers suck and we don't need to see them again? No, you don't have to do much research on that. That's just sort of, you know, that's like water's water. Wet. Yeah. <laughs> Beat me to it. Yep. Ed gets a call. Paul Anka, this episode's stunt casting. Uh, We're not giving that to Paul? No, I, I think the obvious stunt cast is Paris Hilton. Fair point. And Paul Anka is some D-list crooner level. Like, you've clearly already used your big names. Paul Anka is just one you could get for cheap. Like, hey, we're going to need him for a scene later. Let's go ahead and his, get this going. His dance card's open. He's He's yeah. got availability. So Paul Paul needs to speak with Ed. We go to the theater where we meet Paul Anka and Kenny, a security guard who's apparently somewhat recently been assigned to him. This guy, whose name is, uh, I was looking up. So this guy, Harland Williams, played the sonar operator in the Kelsey Grammer sub-comedy down Periscope. Yeah, he's he's been in a ton of stuff. He is a bit part guy in comedy movies. If if you saw the guy, you'd be like, oh yeah, that guy. And he's always playing the same guy. Hey, once you find your niche, just just go ahead and ride it. He's got that. We've got perfectly accurate intros. You know, hey, the best part about being typecast, you're still getting cast. Always cash and checks. That's that's what matters at the end of the day. I think that's going to be our audience advice for the episode. <laughs> <laughs> get paid. So Paul's annoyed at Kenny's overeagerness. Doesn't want him fired. Just wants him transferred out, which Ed's going to accommodate. My question is, why not counsel him to chill the fuck out? This seems a dramatic overreaction in what, as far as Kenny's concerned, in my book, will be a series of overreactions up until the very end. But just be like, hey man, ease off the eBay stuff and wait till he asks you for something. So it doesn't seem to me like Paul's run this by HR. He's gone straight to the top. Get this guy out of here. That is, I I, th- I think what you said makes sense, but at the same time, Paul Inca doesn't really give a shit. Guy seems nice enough, but he doesn't want to deal with it. So it's an easy ask to get rid of him and let somebody else teach Kenny that lesson. But yeah, Danny or Ed should have been like, hey, look, you got to come. You're at about a 12 and I need you at like a four. Yeah, I just think, let me put it this way. Fuck Paul Anka. I don't know. Is he, is he dead? Probably not. Maybe. I, I don't think so. Which, Tell you what. I don't care. I won't even fucking Google it. Paul Anka sucks. Book it. I I have no real argument against. Yeah, great. So, Paul Anka, you are not welcome on our podcast. Wow. Set up a blacklist available on Peacock. Paul Anka is A number one on the blacklist. It's called a podcast, not a podcast. Damn it. Got him. Boom. It's worth noting that how they're going to treat Kenny this episode, bouncing him around gig to gig, 
is how they will treat Fred in a later episode of the show where they bounce him around gig to gig. So it's a little bit of Fred shadowing. <laughs> I didn't I didn't want to give you that because that felt like one that you wrote beforehand. And you no, no. But here's the funny thing. As soon as I said it, I realized that's going to sound like something I wrote in advance. That but felt like when you had in the chamber. But I I you got a genuine reaction out of me, which hurt. But you got it. No, that was I saw that pitch coming. I caught it in the batter's eye and just, you know, I got some wood on it. It's a that's a bloop. That's CNI single never hurt nobody. Yeah. Ed drags Kenny over to the outside of Mystique where he's going to stand guard outside. Delinda clearly invisibly put out by this. Doesn't want Gomer Pyle here setting up shop outside of her nightclub and restaurant. All the more so and rightly so when he turns the Heimlich into something sexual. I, it was weird. Yeah, I don't I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be sexual or just the guy is a fucking weirdo. I think he was flirting with the, I think that's his version of flirting with Delinda. Uh, like, hey, yeah, I know the Heimlich. I don't think he was making the Heimlich sexual, but I think he was like his knowledge of it is what he was mm, using I, as a, a flirting tool. I could see that, especially when his opening line was you are as handsome as your father, which. Yeah, this guy's a walking Ako Taco. Yeah, not a fan. Inside Mystique, Sam's having dinner with a hot young client of hers, played by Brian Austin Green, goes by the name Connor in this episode, and they're flirting pretty heavily. And this isn't awkward kitty flirting. This is, you know, attractive, normal people flirting. I was distracted, though, in this entire scene. They're at the end of the meal. Sam has just signed the check. Why are they having champagne? This is so incredibly gauche. I cannot even handle it. I That is a pre-meal beverage. I will sir. fully admit I didn't see it, didn't notice it. Have no thoughts on the matter. Well, I saw it and my thoughts are clear. That's fair. Some, some people ab- like champagne. Abomination in the eyes of the alcohol world. <laughs> the sommelier at Mystique should be fired. Touche. They go up to Connor's room. They start making out before Sam shoves him onto his bed, rips open his shirt. They gonna fuck. Sam, Sam is ready to go. He So he confesses his feelings very explicitly. She has to be a little bit more taciturn about it, given corporate policy. Does she have to buy him a new shirt? What do you think? I mean, obviously he's rich, but what do you think procedure is on that? Throw in one of the uh, Montecito t-shirts that we saw early on. In the fucking Ferrari episode? Yeah. Hey, Connor, I got you this shitty black t-shirt. Hope you like it. I Let's put it this way. If I'm Connor, I'm okay with my shirt getting ripped open there. Danny is briefing the security team about a suicidal guest who, courtesy of, it seems like Video IQ, though we've stopped calling it that. I don't know if somebody was suing them for trademark infringement or something at this point. We just have facial recognition back in the writer's room. But played by John Lovitz. We mentioned this last week. I'm not a huge John Lovitz fan. You seems like you are. He's been in some enjoyable things. He amuses me. And it was clear that Mitch was taking a shit or something during the briefing because he's not visible during the briefing. And moments later, when a stairwell alarm gets called in, Mitch is all set to blow it off. Oh, all right. Thanks for letting me know. Danny has to step in like, hey, what was that? Oh, you know, the stairwell with roof access alarm just went off. Probably not a big deal. Like, Jesus fucking Christ, Mitch. We just gave you a name and a recurring role in the show. You're already going to blow it. What the fuck? That's the problem is once you became once you became a named member of the Montecito staff, you lose like 50 percent of your job qualification ability. It's like he signed a. 12 year contract and was like, well, my work here is done. Yeah, he got time to coast. He got that Jimbo Fisher deal. His money's guaranteed. He's done. Yep. Like, no way they're kidding me. I got a name now. See ya. 
So Danny puts it together, realizes it's the suicidal guest who we'll call Fred because that's his name in the show. Runs up to the roof to save him. Come to find out Fred's lost his girl. He's lost his job. He's posting up on the ledge. He's going to jump. Danny boy, your suicidal hotline script needs a rewrite. It's like, hey, man, I can help. And if I can't, someone else can. And if and if they can't help you, 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 can, you can kill yourself tomorrow. Of completely novice, unexpected suicide prevention tactics, there's worse. Because here's the thing. You're obviously not going to just talk somebody off a ledge right when you show up, bing, bang, boom. But if you can just buy time to get some, you know, we saw him turn the phone on. He's got somebody on the line to let them overhear what's going on. He's just trying to run clock. So if you can burn a little bit of time, I thought that that and then his next play was, okay, look, if you want to kill yourself, fine. But you're right over the entrance. You're going to land on somebody else. And John Lovitz is not a svelte individual. At least do me a favor and come over here to the loading dock side where you're not going to land on anybody. Again, well, not before great. we get accused of body shaming, let me say if fucking Sam throws herself off that roof, she's still going to hurt somebody. Oh, yeah, it's going to go poorly. Yeah, I would remind our audience that this is the same main valet that only a few episodes was getting golf balls hit into it. They don't really seem to give a shit about the valet, really. This is purely a delay tactic by Danny. He's he's running clock and does so just he gets the bare minimum amount of time needed for him to be able to catch a falling John Lovitz and have Ed roll in right in the nick of time to help pull him back up. Which was great. Don't get me wrong. The outcome here was good, but I'm a process-based evaluator here. Danny's process really needs some work. Certainly. Main cast only. Give me your power rankings for who you want talking a, a, a guest off the ledge. Has to be on the Montecito staff. Main cast only. Nessa, one. Okay. I think the accent is going to prove huge. Okay. Ed, two, because I think he's going to have the person so scared that if they kill themselves, Ed is going to hunt them down in the afterlife and kill them again. And that's strangely going to work. Three, Sam, because... Oh. And my logic, I, I realize emotionally empathy doesn't seem like her strong suit. But convincing people to do what she wants, where she wants them to do it, is. Okay. Okay. Mike, four. I feel like you've got a strong empathy there. I feel like he'd be very good yep. at it. Danny, five. Mary, six. Okay. You bring Mary, six only because you hate Mary. Pretty much, yeah. I think she's the clear number one. Like, she's the most empathetic individual on staff. We agree on number two with Ed. I would slot Mike, three. Nessa four. I'm worried the accent cuts both ways. You're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. Mm, that's fair. Danny five, Mary or uh, Sam six. She's just going to be like, fuck it. How much money you got? I don't care. Jump. <laughs> look, I, I certainly understand the quick dismissiveness of I Sam. I mean, look, if you if you catch Sam on a good day, she's a solid three. But I think your run of the mill garden variety Sam She's batting six. You've got Sam needs to have a reason that would benefit her to do it. Somebody's got to make the economics work in her favor for you to not kill yourself. Agreed completely there. We come out of commercial. We're in Fred's room. He's filling him in on what's going on. Ed turns his nose up at getting Fred a psychologist or psychiatrist, which was Danny's suggestion. Instead, hey, man, just have a good time. 
Danny, teach the man how to gamble. What? Like, Ed, what? Not, uh, Ed does not strike me as somebody who is well in tune with mental health and the no. the issues that can be surrounding mental health and, and healthy ways of dealing with things. Go learn how to gamble, have a good time, and then get the fuck out of my hotel. Seems very on brand for Ed. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I don't know that this, and and I could be showing my ankle here a little bit, but I don't think that this rises to the level of a trigger warning. But I, I guess I would say that, you know, for people who are struggling with depression, telling them just have a good time is demonstrably not the answer. No, that seems like extremely bad advice. Yeah, but very on brand for Ed. So I was actually pleasantly surprised that Danny spent almost the entirety of the episode anchoring the let's get a mental health professional involved position. Yeah, Danny, you know, going back to what we were talking about, about Danny being terrible at trying to talk him off the roof. He at least recognizes he doesn't know what he's doing and that a mental health professional would probably be useful in this experience. So credit where it's due to Danny on that. But as Ed reminds us, you know what they say about money one? What do they say? I I don't know. I was asking you. (laughs) Lost the zone. You know what they say? About what? About money one. What do they say? I don't know. I'm asking. They say it's twice as sweet as money earned. How come you said what do they say? At Belisera, Sam is having regrets about getting involved with Connor, but that's not a problem because he's also not interested in a relationship. He's got two reasons. First, he really likes the Montecito, doesn't want to have to leave the property and get a new casino host, as Montecito corporate policy would dictate. But also, yeah, he's getting married to Paris Hilton on Friday. Whoopsies. Yeah, it's I'm curious as to what you thought about this. Obviously, Sam took it very poorly as you would expect somebody to. But Sam had already said, you know, that was a one-time thing. That's it. We're done. So the level to which the rest of the episode was taken was interesting. Not saying wrong, because obviously, yeah, he lied to you just to bang you. That's messed up. But Sam seems forward-thinking enough sexually that that would not be as big of a deal. So I think I agree with the last part. I think if she had gone into it with a let's bang orang and move on, that she's cool. Who gives a shit that you're engaged? Whatever. Not my not my pig, not my farm. Right. But she leads off with she's been thinking about it all morning. I think clearly this has bothered her. She's put a lot of thought into it. I think she was emotionally invested. We established a mystique that they would had a relationship now for a few years. We'll later find out he comes to Vegas eight or nine times a year. That's a lot of visits. Sure. No, that's that's fair. Uh, and so I think and also I think there's probably so I think it's a completely reasonable position. I think there's also a little bit of you can't fire me. I quit going on. What Exactly. Kind of tur- turns up the uh, the anger level for Sam. Got, yeah. No, I, I think that's right. But we get a weird moment here and we get an honest to God timeline in the TV show Las Vegas for for the second week in a row. So putting this all together. We'll find that they slept together on a Monday. Madison arrived on Tuesday. They're getting married on Friday. He's playing golf for a hundred grand on Saturday. Let's go again. Still ten to one. Tommy, that's a hundred thousand dollars on a goddamn golf swing. It's a beautiful Saturday morning, John. What the hell else do we gotta do? You know, I mean, if if you go back to boxers and soccer players in the World Cup, they talk about withholding sex because you don't want your legs to be 
given out on you on important game days. I think I'd get that uh, golf game done on Thursday myself. Well, here's the other thing. I, we'll, we'll later learn that Madison, a.k.a. Paris Hilton, is in it for the fucking money. But what a weird flex to wake up in the morning after you got married like, oh, yeah, that was really awesome. I'm so happy to be married, Mrs. Connor. Anyway, I'm going to go hit the golf course for 100K. Uh, let me know how your spa day goes, I guess. Yeah, see you in six hours, honey. Bye. Yeah. Sam is appalled at Connor's behavior, rightly so, and says, hey, you know, I don't care that you want to stay my client and you want me to stay as your casino host. I'm out. We're done. Fuck this. He's like, no, I love you. You're great. And it's going to blackmail her, threatening to tell management that they slept together. You've got to think that's going to affect the uh, level of service he's going to get in the future. Right? Like, (laughs) I mean, my first thought was Connor's a shitheel, but we we know that. My second thought is, this isn't going to still be a good casino relationship. Obviously, if you're intent on keeping her bent over the barrel, she's going to have to comp all your shit and give you tickets and hang out with you and all that shit. But it's, I wouldn't think, going to be particularly fun. Yeah, you, you've lost that uh, that love and feeling, as it were. Yeah, and, you know, if she's a bad casino host and he goes and complains to casino management, I think, you know, she's smart enough. It's going to be easy enough for her to be like, I don't know what he's talking about. Those were the best seats I could get him. Like, sorry, it's it's what was available. It's yeah, it was yeah. sold out. If he doesn't like if he doesn't like it, he could take his business elsewhere. That sucks for me. But hey, so I don't know. Connor playing a real short game here. We go to uh, Danny's school of gambling where he's going to teach Fred how to gamble local style, which means you start with video poker. I get it. I know that's what the locals play. It actually made a lot of sense for Danny to gravitate toward that as a local. But God, does that feel like a strange first choice for teaching somebody how to gamble? That's a not particularly intuitive game. Yeah. Blackjack seems like the, unless you're going to saddle somebody up to a casino war table, which. Or roulette. Sure. I mean, roulette yeah, start with seems red to be the no brainer. Yeah. I could see not wanting to do roulette because I think Danny is trying to not have him lose the $200 from Ed in like 10 minutes and then go back to the roof. So video poker, you know, at a dollar a game, figure you can at least make that last for a while, I guess. But I'm, I'm with sure, you. Sure, but so Danny weird. also suggests maybe he wants to play the five or ten dollar denomination. Like it's a, it's I mean, a weird choice for sure. My guys go ten dollar denomination. You got to assume Danny's going to teach him. He's got to play max credits. One would hope, which we know, right? Because he bet a dollar, then won ten on the trips, so he had to have gone five credits. Mm, good catch. So if Danny convinces, talks him into the 10, he's doing 50 a pull, four hands, and Fred's back to the roof. Risky, risky. Yeah. Hell of a lot riskier than fucking roulette. <laughs> so Mike gets in because Mike's just, I guess, walking through the casino floor from A to B this episode. That's sort of his shtick. Gets in an awkward jumping off the roof joke. But Fred doesn't notice because he's on cloud nine, man. He's intoxicated by that sweet, sweet $10 bill he's won. I mean, nothing gets you out of a bad mood like winning some gambling. Yeah, I'm going to need more than 10 bucks, though, man. We we get the vibe that Fred is a bit of a uh, a bit podunk. We don't we don't get the full Midwestern yokel that we've gotten. Well, we'll in the past. from San Diego. So he is coastal elite. He is indeed coastal elite, which, hey, they listen to us and we we yeah, respect and appreciate, appreciate that it. writer's room. I guess we should have added homophobia as a also please don't do when we were. Making our list of things we're sick of, but yeah, I mean that was early two thousands as a whole. Though I don't know if we could get just that written off, but yeah, yeah we probably could have used our powers better. But Fred's happy. Dolinda and Danny are going to do some flirting. We learned that Dolinda once poured honey all over herself. 
that Danny then looked off. Which that sounds like a fun night. Sticky, but fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I would agree with that assessment. I would also say incredibly impractical because. Oh, your sheets honey, are going to be gross. Well, and honey pours incredibly slowly. Oh, you're not trying to rush things. Like, I just hang on. Hang on. This is going to be real sexy in about 45 minutes. Step one. I need to lightly, but not too aggressively microwave the honey. <laughs> It's also more fun when you just assume that it is one of the little bottles that looks like a bear. Yeah. Or because, you know, they famously were fucking in rooms at the Montecito. It's the little packets of honey from room service. <laughs> and so she's like strewn about her on the bed is 20 used honey packets and one used condom wrapper. How's housekeeping the next day is going to be so pissed. Like you motherfuckers. I'm going to kill this kid. That's actually the only person more upset at the Montecito than Ed was the housekeeper who was in charge of that suite. Yeah. Now that's a room contamination, but. <laughs> that that will get you a grim gratis. And I am HO. 100%. I did like also that Delina pointed out that, yeah, you did good, Danny, because he's really feeling his oats. Uh, but he jumped after you spent all that time talking to him. Like you could have killed Fred, Danny. That was a, a very excellent pickup by Delinda. And Danny's like, yeah, but I, I caught him. So it's all good. I mean, I shot him, but then I cleaned and bandaged the wound. So we're fine, right? Exactly. So Delinda kind of lets that one go. And it's like, so is the guy better? Yep. Problem fixed, says Danny. Look at that. He's over there at the video poker machine. Of course he's fixed. Ed wanders over right as Danny's talking about licking honey off his daughter. Doubles down on his disregard for mental health. And we learn that Fred already up 80 bucks at the start of what will prove to be quite the run. Yeah, the uh, I know you're going to hit us with the math at some point, but my dude is on some exponential shit here. It's a lot. So he, he started off at 200 and now we're at 280. Shortly thereafter, Nessa checks on him, offering to teach him blackjack, which let's hit the pause button for a second. She describes as a game that takes a minute to learn and a lifetime to master. Disagree. First of all, that famously describes Texas Hold'em. Secondly, I would argue Blackjack takes like 30 minutes to learn and about 32 and a half minutes to master. <laughs> because once you learn the rules, they'll give you a card that you can use for basic strategy and sit there at the table with it. While I completely agree with you, you and I have also been at enough Blackjack tables to know how many people do not take that 30 to 32 and a half minutes to master the it's that game. last two and a half minutes that'll really get you. get you every time. So NASA's going to take him over to the tables. We get one more data point. He is currently up 125. So he's going to take $325 to the blackjack table. A highly reasonable starting stack. Yeah. All, I mean, already he's at a 62.5% return in like six minutes. It's pretty good. I get it. Nessa walks over, gives you the time of day. I understand the desire to follow her to the blackjack pit. But I might have stayed at video poker at that earn rate. I'm like, uh, yeah, no, I hear you. Where will he be? I'll meet you over there because this is a hot machine right now. Yeah, let me let me run the juice out of this one real quick and then we'll try. Yeah, because, you know, he gets up and some old bitty sits down and hits that royal. Oh, for sure. You just know it's happening. So Danny tracks down the head therapist at this convention. My first thought was, is that Danny's dad? <laughs> It looked a lot like Danny's father. It did kind of look like Danny's dad, but it was another guy who I should have IMD beat it. He looks like he has been in a lot of things, too. Mark Moses. Any notables? his name? Because I had to IMDb it because I thought it was his dad. Uh, yeah, you know him from Mad Men. Ah, yes, there it is. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I know him from The Last Ship. 
Oh, is that the uh, the TNT show? Yeah, they know drama over there. I've heard that. And that was the show where the U.S. Navy ship goes off to the Arctic to do a thing. It comes back to discover while they're radio silent that there's been a apocalyptic virus. It's killed a whole bunch of people. An idiot's become president. Chaos ensues. Admittedly, it's a little close to home right now. At least we're doing some reverse timeline action on it. Yeah. Also, interestingly, on the last ship, uh, when the coastal elites get their comeuppance, the nation's capital relocates to St. Louis and they sail the titular last ship up the fucking Mississippi. Seems like a strange choice, but if you got to get there somehow. Yeah, why not? Right. But yeah, you know, I'm from uh, Mad Men, probably. That would use a lot of stuff, but that's the big one. Gotcha. So. Danny tracks him down. He's pretty reluctant to get involved until he learns about the guy's suicide attempt. And you're like, oh, okay. He just, you know, thought this was a guy looking for a free therapy lesson. Guy's really in need. I'll obviously help. But quickly, some details emerge. His help is contingent on the fact that he's going to get to use this for his keynote speech. He already has forgotten the guy's name, calls him Patient X, and as a throwaway line, inquires about the guy's insurance. So old... Uh, president dipshit here. Not not a great guy. I, I wouldn't say that this is purely altruistic by any means. No, this is uh, this guy's got an ulterior motive. Big news, Ed. Big news. Gunther's back. Gunther! What the fuck is he wearing? Yo, Gunther likes to accessorize. He's got some. He's like on special ops safari. Yeah, he's he's got a lot of leopard print in the uh, in the kitchen coat these days. Yeah, he's got a leopard print beret and epaulets and is talking with Dolinda by the bar where this woman volunteers out of nowhere that she's heard the pork is dry. Like what? Very, very strange. It, it Neither of them asked how their meal was going or anything like that. It's very strange. And they ostensibly hadn't ordered. Like if you're at a restaurant and you hear someone be like, don't get the mac and cheese, you don't flag down a cook and be like, I hear your mac and cheese sucks. You just don't order the mac and cheese. I mean, that that is how I would take that advice. But, you know, different strokes for different folks, I guess. Well, bad example. I know you. You'd fucking order the mac and cheese anyway. I do love mac and cheese. Especially if you found out they were shells. Mm, mm-mm. Game over. The good stuff. So Gunther immediately thinks Benito is the rat. Benito. Turns out, of course, it's Kenny. We go out front of Mystique where Kenny's actually talking up the restaurant pretty hard. Yeah. To a cult couple that's trying to assess whether or not they can afford it. Spoiler alert. And this is a little free free advice for the audience. If your budget for two people for dinner is $18, and there's a security guard out in front of this restaurant, you cannot afford it. If it is a restaurant that they let you sit down at in Las Vegas, you can't afford it. If it's a restaurant in Las Vegas... You cannot afford it. Maybe the gift shop at the front of the hotel, you can each get a sleeve of crackers. Nope. Nope. You're going to fucking split that thing of Ritz. <laughs> and I hope you're good with dry mouth because you don't have any leftover money for a bottle of water. Yeah, you're going to need to find a water fountain. I mean, seriously, what are they? What was their plan? Go to Earl of Sandwich and split one? I, I mean, I, poor, poor budgeting there by yeah. these folks. Gunther bursts out the front door with a fucking cleaver. And has to be slash gets to be restrained by Delinda and even comments on, yeah, I'm fine now. But if you want to keep holding me, that'd also be OK. <laughs> Wouldn't turn it down. Yeah, Gunther. I, I mean, you don't disrespect a man's restaurant right outside of his restaurant. Unless you're Delinda, which is what she did her first day on the job. 
but she did it to improve it. I think Kenny's heart was in the similarly correct place. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, I bet the pork was dry. I don't think Kenny made that up. I completely agree. And I think there's no way Kenny's affording it. So he must have heard other patrons commenting about it. He was trying to prevent other patrons from having a bad experience. And I'm certain when next he saw Delinda would have told her. I think you're right. I, I think they make it very clear that Kitty very much is trying to help people out. Is And I'll go so far as to say he objectively succeeded in this. Kenny did nothing wrong. On this one, agreed. Yeah. Danny and the therapist track Fred down to the blackjack table. He's now up to $40,000. He's taken his three and a quarter up to 40000 That was quick. Yeah. Therapist wants to talk to him right away, but he's on a heater and Danny respects that, which credit to Danny. We've established on the show, you don't interrupt a heater unless it's Brooks and Dunn 24 hours later and they have to go do a fucking concert. Everyone else, though, stay clear of the heater. It's 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 good to see that some rules in Neon City are the same that they are in Sin City. It is. There's a little bit of crossover. It's the Mirror Universe crossover episodes all center around not busting up a streak. As all universes so my, should. My first thought was, how has this guy gotten up this this high? But he is betting a lot of money. While they're standing there, he gets a blackjack with seven grand on the table. That'll That'll get you up there pretty quick. So as we go to commercial with Nessa looking like she's about to get fired, we've got our latest milestone, Fred, 50 grand. He's gone from 200 to 50 grand in an hour, two hours. I know we said earlier that a timeline got established on the show, but let's not go. But later on, later on, we'll know that his entire streak, including when Nessa was off duty, was 15 hours. Right. So I, I think so far, I mean, maybe fuck benefit of the doubt. Let's say she's gone for a, for a full 12. His his efficiency metrics are off the charts. Yeah, yeah he's great. We come back. Nessa's going to go off duty with Fred still at the table. And we get this just delightful time lapse of him accumulating all of the chips in the casino. Mountains and mountains of cocaine. Yeah, he uh, can't stop, won't stop. Uh-uh, uh-uh, shimmy. And he's like, I, can't, I don't even know what to do. I've just waited. This is just so fucking great. Nessa gets back finds that he hasn't left, finds his mountain of chips, and she looks like, I am legit going to get fired. Like, I am in some serious fucking trouble. How it could possibly be her fault, I don't know, but she looks demoralized. You know, normally they're pretty excited for people on tears because it's not their money, but shit. She knows about those quarterly P&Ls. None too pleased the Ice Queen is. Yeah, I believe at that time that we learned from Nessa that he's now just under 400K. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot of money. So Ed, Ed approaches Kenny and disciplines him. Kenny is still awkward as fuck, having made up many menus as a way to earn his way back into Gunther's good graces. And look, I'm going to add one more thing to this. Ed knows that Gunther's a lunatic. He's being super harsh about this. I get it. I get moving him. Gunther's going to be pissed. Gunther's a lunatic. I'm sure Delinda's upset because he made a scene. I mean, Gunther did, but because of Kenny, I get relocating him again. But implementing the one more strike policy, that's entirely on Ed as a unfair escalation in my book because Kenny did nothing wrong. On this one, I, I agree that Kenny did not do anything wrong on the second one. But from Ed's perspective, he is like number two behind Brunson of the entire hotel. And this is now the third time in 24 hours that he's had to deal with this fucking schmuck. This is only the second time in 24 hours he's had to deal with him. Paul Anka, now this. I guess I was treating the entree into the mystique as two, but... 
I, I think that's okay. double counting. He walked him from the theater to Mystique. Fair enough. But either way, it is so. It is now the second time in 24 hours that he's had to reassign him because people can't stand him. Like they got they got big collared security guards everywhere. In which case, why isn't Ed farming this out to Danny or HR or something? That's a better question. But if Ed is going to take a hands-on role in this, I think he's got to be better. This is a bad boss Ed move. Yeah, IMHO. That's fair. So his new job is he's just going to stand in the middle of the casino floor off by one bank of the slots until someone need, needs them, which don't worry about it, Kenny. It's going to be real soon. Ed wanders over to a boisterous Fred. Again, 15 hours, 400K. There's a drunk guy who needs kicking off the table. Guy's an absolute mess, shoving chips in between women's breasts, which the first one seemed like she was caught off guard by it. The second one, who actually didn't collect her prize, was expressly soliciting it, which I thought was hilarious. Like, sure, I'll take your money. Yeah, go ahead, drunk guy. Yeah. Ed has Kenny escort him up to the room and and they're off. Ed circles back. When he finds about how much money he, the guy's won, says, Just let the guy fall. <laughs> Fred kind of hears him. He like, blows it off. He's like, oh, it's just a joke. Anyway, uh, continued success. But like an Italian wedding toast for somebody you don't really give a shit about. It, not only do you not give a shit about, but you've got a hit planned on him for later in the evening. Right. Nessa tries to, to get Fred to call it quits, but he won't. And says, ah, if I start, you know, I'm going to take a break later for the Anka concert. And if I lose tomorrow, I'll bail. And she's like, oh, all right. Still looks like absolute shit. I don't know what Ness is so worked up about. Ed didn't blow a gasket at her. So I feel like she's off the hook. But what do I know? Yeah, this isn't, this shouldn't be a Nessa problem. No. We're in Mystique where Sam and Connor and Madison are all having lunch together. It's just awkward as hell. Sam's like, well, you know, one last trip for the Bucks. Okay. Oh, no, we all love Vegas and can't imagine not seeing our little Sam. Then Connor goes with his, oh, I bet Sam knows some bedroom tricks that I don't know how Sam just doesn't lose it. And like, well, you know, I know bedroom tricks, Connor, because I fucked you Monday night. We just had sex very recently. I just had sex. You, you know what tricks I do or do not have. At least some of them. Instead, Sam is willing to cop to being into some really dark shit with this head vice thing. Yeah, that didn't sound... It, to be fair, Connor asked for bedroom tricks and not sex t- tricks. So Sam is just into murder. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, as far as tricks go, I guess that's a good one. But if it requires specialized equipment, I don't know how applicable it is. It's very situational advice. Her willingness to lend out her murder equipment is also some real bad criming techniques. And just unsanitary. Well, I presume that you sanitize in between. But maybe that's just because we're in the middle of COVID-19. I assume everyone sanitizes everything in between. Well, and lending things to Paris Hilton does not seem like she would sanitize it after usage in return. Well, I mean, when you get that back, you're probably not going to see obvious signs of blood, but you're going to go ahead and re-sanitize it anyway. Such a dumb fucking bit. (laughs) Sam is chatting with Mary about how she's planning her revenge against Connor when the drunk guy walks up with a complaint. First of all, he is stone cold sober and seemingly not at all hungover. And his complaint is Kenny stole from him. So we're up in Ed's office with Danny behind the desk where he's explaining that he had 13,000, 30,000, something like that. 
and a few hundred dollars and he woke up and he was missing a hundred dollars. And as someone who has been drunk in Vegas, at least once or twice, how many times have you had to wake up and count your money and have absolutely no concept if that's the right count? May or may not have happened a time or two. May or may not have happened in a hotel room with you. There is literally, I mean, I have been in Vegas with a friend of the podcast who shall remain nameless, who won low five figures. And I was able to convince him the next morning he had lost it all. (laughs) There is no way that this guy has any idea what his accurate count is. He's going to wake up and be like, oh, my God, I just want to die. He's going to roll over. He's going to see what time it is. He's like, holy shit, it's the middle of the afternoon. He's going to get up. He's going to go find his cat or his chips and be fucking thrilled. Yeah, he's and certainly it's not even like a couple grand short. He is he is this pissed off about one hundred dollars. And if I have Danny, I'd be like, I guess Danny didn't see it. But be like, hey, what about the chip you were sho- trying to shove in women's decolletage? Well, I thought Danny, my guy, you were not super responsible with your casino checks last night. Yeah. And and I feel like Danny called him out pretty well of, dude, you couldn't stand up. You couldn't see straight. Yeah. You were hearing colors. For some reason, I've got a hard time believing your counting skills. Right. But nonetheless, Danny's going to give him a $200 credit to his bill. And the guy's still angry. Yeah. You just, Look. you made money. Say thank you yeah. and leave. Say thank you effusely. Like, oh, wow. I really appreciate that. Yeah. I love the fabulous Montecito. I'm going to tell all my friends. Yeah. The psychologist is pressuring Danny to get some time with Fred ASAP. Stresses how important it is. And oh yeah, the keynote speech. So they go and interrupt the Paul Anka show. That Danny had gotten how, him the tickets for. How would for. Danny agree to do that? Yeah, that he, the the shrink tells Danny that, oh, it is it is of the utmost importance. There's all these things that could be happening. But it's very clear the guy just needs a fresh anecdote for his keynote speech tomorrow. Danny, again, I think we can track this back to Danny being so far in the weeds on this. He's so out of his element that he's just like, all right, cool. You're the professional. If you say we got to talk to him now, talk to him now. But you don't stay there in the middle of the concert and talk. Like, just get the guy up. Well, and also, what is is he going to kill himself in the auditorium? (laughs) Yeah. Like stand at the back, keep eyes on the dude. And at the end of the show, grab him then. I mean, if Paul Anka doesn't have his A game in the second half of the show, Fred may just think it's not worth it. Look, I wanted to kill myself during the aforementioned blue man group when I was hung over, but that was neither here nor there. Danny has a way out of this and chooses instead to interfere with Anka singing. So Anka's unhappy. He starts changing the words to my way. And one of the lines is that if, Danny and and Dr. Miles keep talking. He's going to get hearing aids for their mouths. I had I I literally had to rewind to see if I misheard it or I I got nothing, man. I have no idea what the fuck he's talking about. I mean, I can't even like if you have a hearing aid in your mouth, you don't talk quieter. That's not how hearing aids work. Wayne Newton would have handled it better. Hell, Cosme would have handled it better. Why can't you see what you're doing to me? What you're doing to me? Paul Anka sucks. We're out on we're yeah. out on Paul Anka. Again, fuck Paul Anka. As decided, he's got to get rid of Fred, who's now up to $3 million. In the time between when Nessa got back and the start of the Paul Anka concert, $3 million. He says he's going to single-handedly ruin the quarterly PL 
why would gambling losses be a problem? Like casinos care about how much money is flowing through them, knowing that in the end they're going to get paid. I, I had the same thought and then realized immediately you're going too deep. Pull up. This is not, a, <laughs> this is not a question you need to ask. Well, as a retired financial services professional, I take umbrage with the selling of the quarterly PL as a reason why this guy should get kicked out of your casino. Touche. I mean, the fact that he's probably cheating, that he's got some nefarious scheme you haven't figured out is more plausible than Brunson's going to be pissed about the PL. The easier way to do it is if somebody sees this like huge loss that you just took, they're going to be like, where the hell did this guy come from? And Ed realizing, oh yeah, I gave him 200 bucks and then he destroyed us. Brunson could take umbrage and blame Ed for all of it. Not saying any of it makes sense. That's just the only logic I could think of. And instead of, well, but you kept him around so he could win it back. No, I had him kicked out. Oh, cool. Cool, cool, cool. You know, next time it'd be quicker to just take them to the back room where all the chips are and just give them the chips, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Ed's also reviewing the tapes to see if Kenny took anything and they've got nothing. Ed's even vouching for the guy saying like, look, he's not a crook when... And walks Kenny, holding the chip, cops to the theft. Poor, dumb Kenny. Dumb, dumb Kenny. At the start of Act 4, Kenny fancies himself a real-life Robin Hood. Allows us how he stole $100 from a guy who had so much so that that earlier couple could have that nice dinner at Mystique. First of all, Kenny, that $100 you give them is a ticket to them having to spend $300 more to have dinner at Mystique. I was going to say, $118, also not enough for dinner at Mystique. Barely enough for fucking Gordon Ramsay's burger. Yeah, I I think you're lucky to split an appetizer and a couple of drinks. Yeah, I mean, maybe the P.F. Chang's at Planet Hollywood is more their speed at a hundo. I mean, those those uh, sake bombs, they really add up in so many ways. Poor stupid Kenny thinks he's going to get to keep his job because of his honesty. And Ed's like, what the? No, of course not, man. You stole from a guest. You're fucking God. And look, this is where I'm with Ed. Even if he hadn't been on a one more strike and you're out policy, zero tolerance. Like you stole from a guest. Doesn't matter why. Yeah, you could have been a 30 year multi-time employee of the month winner. You get caught stealing from a guest. You're done. If Danny steals $100 from this guest, does Danny get fired? Mm, I think there is a scenario where he doesn't, but he definitely gets demoted. Like Mitch has his job now. And Ed brings it up every episode for the next two and a half seasons. See, I, I think everything you said, except for him bringing it up for two and a half seasons, because we then find out that it was all an op that Ed was running to make Danny seem like he's a disgruntled, soon-to-be former employee to win the confidence of some criminal. The, lo- the long-term writing effects. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. That's all I got on that <laughs> one. It's not really a transition. So uh, Hard cut. Sam tells Madison about the cheating. Turns out she doesn't care. She is straight up in it for the cash. Like, okay, no problem. Let him fuck whoever he wants. I'm gonna get paid. Have you seen how much money he makes? Come on, you're his casino host. Does it count as typecasting if the typecasting is just who you are as a person? I think what it means they have to do is in the credits, they have to say Paris Hilton. As herself. Yeah, that would have been much funnier. I would have respected the show considerably more for the cheap stunt cast. But yeah, she doesn't care. Madison tells Connor that Sam spilled the beans and Connor doesn't care. He's going to let it go. This is the last we're going to see of it. Well, why did any of this exist? 
I have no idea. I I think it was only to – the only thing it serves is we've seen Sam with several clients now uh, and and levels of relationships with them. And so I I guess they wanted to show that – you know, and and we also had the weird Sam and Danny stuff from a couple of episodes, and and yeah. Sam opening up to people that, you know, I don't know if maybe it's just Sam was horny that episode, or Sam is actually looking for for some some love and tenderness in her life, and realized very quickly, okay, I sh- probably shouldn't have fucked a client. That was a bad call. And then when Connor said, yeah, no, I just wanted to bang, that it obviously turned the other way. So is this like a James Bond Casino Royale, like Sam origin story about why she's now going to put back up her tough exterior? Get the walls back up. She right after she lets them down, she gets herself burned. I guess. But it's not great. Psychologist is lobbying Ed and Danny hard for more access to Fred. And he's making it real easy to dismiss the science. He's rambling in his to his tape recorder, much like he's doing a podcast about a TV show that's been off the air for 16 years. And are, are you worried that someone is going to think that this podcast is a cry for help and reach out to us so that they get a nice story for their next keynote address? Well, no, I'm hoping that the hit NBC television show Las Vegas rises, that this is a cry for more episodes of Las <laughs> Vegas or the existing ones on Peacock or failing that, that the actual Las Vegas casinos reach out with some quality offers once the pandemic is over and say, clearly these young gentlemen need an all-expense-paid trip to Sin City to take their mind off Neon City. Those are all actual great cries for help, so keep going. Yeah. Uh, Wham. (laughs) So the psychologist is making himself seem like he's a fucking lunatic with all this. He's hassled them on the way to the floor. Ed's fucking fed up with it. With The doc's like, do you even want my opinion? Let's you and me have a secret code, okay? Uh, Whenever... I fall down and break my arm. That'll mean I'm interested in what you have to say. Seems like a terrible secret code. I mean, Ed just saw Danny basically fuck up his ankle. I feel like don't make jokes about orthopedic injuries, Ed. You don't know what's going to happen. Especially when people just run around breaking crutches willy-nilly. It's a hostile work environment if I've ever seen one. Ain't that the truth. They find Fred. He's moved on to craps where he's now up to six million dollars so two hundred dollars to six million decent run ed tells him he has to stop gambling and also that he has to leave why can't he stay on the property i yeah that seemed a little much i feel like you could have just told him he's got to shut it down but uh you know and also i mean he bought a really fancy watch earlier send this guy to the shops get some of the money back that way yeah set him up with a nice reservation at mystique there's there's a lot of way. If nothing else, just get him off the table for a little while. Maybe he cools off. Obviously, Paul Anka didn't do it, but maybe send him to a fucking Blue Man Group show. I don't know. Well, if you go to the Blue Man Group show, you're not going to get the money back. It's just going to be all chopped up. So, well, it's 75 grand of it, but small price to pay to get the other 5.9 mil back. Touche. The absolute worst part of the episode, we get a fucking Maluser sighting. Jesus fucking Christ. I hate him so much. At least this yeah. one made some sense. Completely unnecessary and added nothing. Except he fucking popped out of nowhere like the goddamn Kool-Aid man. <laughs> He's just, I mean, and we even get it in fiction from Ed, like, man, you're here so fucking often. Why don't you just buy the place? That was a good burn. Like, yeah, yeah, bros. Y'all are here a lot. 
You have your own casino. Go hang out in that yeah, one. Yeah, does your casino suck that bad? Maybe. Well, maybe it's a. They have a similar rule that no employees, including owners, can do anything fun at your own casino. So therefore, they got to go off property. Well, all the staff of the Montecito have plenty of fun at the Montecito. Touche. So I did a little digging. At the end of the episode, I was not really paying attention. I was finishing up my notes, was watching the credits, and I happened to catch something. Promotional consideration furnished by the Palms Casino Hotel Las Vegas. Ah. And I went back and checked. I was like, I wonder if this is in every episode. It's not. Mm, so they're... The fucking Malusers were paying for their cameos on the show. But hey, you don't you don't that hear about so Caesars. That is sad and pathetic. That is sad and pathetic. That's hilarious, actually. Is that pathetic or what? Talk about a cry for help. Yeah, no kidding. Jesus Christ. Yeah, they're the worst. I I feel like we had this conversation last time, and neither one of us was confident enough to put space bucks on it because we both were convinced that these goddamn parasites were going to show up again. I I feel like after season one, you really don't see them that much. But I I don't feel confident about that. So it made me think after last week or whenever it was when we either one of us can make a bet that it might have been an interesting strategy. And we could consider this for the space buck game where in a situation like that, someone can set a line and it's against the house. So instead of it being zero sum between the two of Ooh, us. Interesting. We'll we'll have no just a thought something to we'll, chew on. We'll have to we'll have to discuss this perhaps off mic at some point. But I I'm intrigued. Yeah, yeah. I think you know, like any good artistic project, we make it up as we go. Got to well, yeah. And when we're done, even if it's terrible, we go look. It's art. You can't criticize it. We're artists. Fuck off. And also that you know we can iterate on it. Works for me. I guess that's what artists do. Sure. I don't know. I've never been one before, but I am one now. God damn it. I mean, the proof is in the pudding and the pudding is a podcast. Well, like there's a tapioca joke, but I just couldn't <laughs> find it. Tap that subscribe button, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go. Got it. There Boom. it is. There it is. So Ed and Danny drag Fred back upstairs. They, they've gotten Linda, the old girlfriend, brought her back into the fold. Fred wisens up in a hurry. Because Linda says, they said you want some money <laughs> that much. That was that was excellently played by Fred and also excellently played by Ed to not say, yo, your ex is suicidal and also up seven figures. Yeah, your your now millionaire ex tried to kill himself. Would you like to come to Vegas and bail him out? The episode's denouement has Kenny as the new manager of the candy museum where he gets to hand out candy. It's a, a job that Danny got him. And apparently he just grabbed a handful when he was leaving the office because he's still passing out candy. Speaking of subplots that meant nothing and didn't need to be had, why was any of this? I don't know, but it got us a Gunther, Gunther. sighting. So I think it's, I think it's, I think the trade is worth you it. You know what? That's fair. It had been a while since we had seen Gunther. We got a Benito. It, it, that's, you know what? You're right. That was a worthwhile trade. I do like also that Kenny is scared at the mere sight of Ed. Like, buddy, he didn't. He wasn't pissed off when he fired you. Like, he's not, you know, you're there as a civilian. I don't think Ed was about to fucking give him a grade A box yeah. shot. But I, I don't think he said that if you ever step foot on casino property again, I'm going to end yeah. you. I mean, right after he fired him, he left the $100 chip on the conference room table. Obviously, Ed didn't think Kenny was an asshole. Yeah, it was just a 
look, you crossed a line that yeah. cannot be uncrossed. You're done. Sorry. We find out from Danny that Ed hired a psychologist for Fred down in San Diego. What? Yeah. If if it had just been Ed spent all episodes shitting on mental health and we find out that he's hooked him up with the shrink back home. What? Also, the motherfucker's got six million of your dollars. He can probably afford his own shrink. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe he made just the initial appointment, but I I am hoping that that was the writer's room trying to give Ed a little bit of a a, a more human side and that, OK, he realized that there are actual problems that need more than just a couple nights of fun to fix. But that was weird. And maybe there was a network note of, uh, hey, let's not actually have the message of this episode be that if you're depressed, just go to Vegas and have fun and everything will be fine. Yeah, that's not a great lesson. <laughs> Da, 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 da. I was going to say, while, while our educational remarks at the end of this podcast are always great, that's not a great one for uh, NBC Universal. Well, if you're a sexpert, I haven't seen the degree. <laughs> Ed, did you like the episode? Yeah, for the most part. I, I wouldn't say it's a, a top tier by any means, but the yeah, that's where the, I am. The A story, especially, I've, I I enjoyed. Yeah, I I, I kind of liked it. I think it way exceeded expectations based on last week and my memory of it. I was not excited. Uh, I thought John Lovitz wasn't particularly annoying and all things considered Paris Hilton was pretty good. She, she hit her four lines with a plum. Yeah. I, you know, I thought it was an enjoyable episode. It was, you know, right down the middle of the fairway with like a three wood, you know, nothing, nothing flashy, but you're not in any trouble. Yeah. Brian Austin Green excelled as a sleazebag rich dude. Yeah, he he played that very well. So last week we famously broke with tradition and awarded the chip lead to an actor, not a character. We gave it to Vanessa Marcel. I don't think she can retain the belt, but do we have a new chip leader? You know, uh, the only person that comes to mind for me in this episode is Danny for trying his damnedest in a extremely bad situation and doing about as well as anyone could do, especially when as untrained as he was with this type of situation. But I don't, I I don't feel like it was enough to, to take the title. I think it is Danny. I, I think he helped out a bunch of people. I think he finally got rid of his literal crutch, which was nice. I think he uh, obviously made some clear progress towards fucking Delinda again. Which, hard hard to have a better thing in the episode for you to do. Yeah, and I think uh, I think it's Danny. I'm 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 willing to put him over the top and say he is perhaps a narrow chip leader, but a chip leader all the same. I, I think the the golf club as a cane for the entire episode is enough for me to also put it over the edge. And yeah, let's uh, let's put Danny back. I, on I did top. like I did like at the end where where Ed discovered the treachery of the missing six iron. And I also thought it was funny that he clocked it as his six iron. I mean, Ed strikes me as the type that would have custom initials or engraving of some kind For on sure. his clubs. Yeah. When he gets a new iPad, he goes ahead and gets the free engraving. Sure. Ed, what are we all on tap for next week? Next week on Pod at the Montecito, die fast, die furious. It's lights, camera, action, as only Vegas knows how when a movie is filmed at the Montecito. 
But when a dangerous motorcycle stunt sends movie star Jean-Claude Van Damme to his death, it's up to Danny and Ed to find out what's really going on behind the scenes. Judson, we are going to do what the likes of Tong Po could not. We are going to kill Jean-Claude Van Damme next week. Now, to be clear, listeners, because we pride ourselves on the quality of our criming advice, we are not actually killing Jean-Claude Van Damme, the two of us. I mean, not only because we wouldn't admit to a crime of any such nature before doing it, but also why would anyone want to actually kill Jean-Claude Van Damme? He's an international treasure. Mice. Money. Ideology. Forget what the C stands for. And ego. (laughs) Extremely deep cut. Are you excited for next week's episode? It feels like you're very pumped. Extremely pumped. I remember this one being an absolute banger. Seems, seems like you would be happy to just roll right into a, a double episode if we already had that that watch in the game. I had to actively stop myself from pushing the next episode button. I, I hope it's a good one. Ed, do you have any advice you're going to drop on the audience above and beyond what we've already hit them with? Kids, remember, if somebody steals and breaks your crutch, it's not only a legit but a perfectly reasonable strategy to just steal one of their golf clubs for a cool-looking and versatile cane. Does it matter if it's not a crime of convenience? Like, is there, are you allowed to go seek out their golf clubs wherever they may yes, be? Yes, sir. Okay. It obviously helps if the bag is right there, but. Is this like a a crime of passion situation where you can't reload a revolver sort of thing? Like, is there a how long you have to get to their clubs and take it? I don't think it is a timing necessarily, as much as the first time you encounter their golf clubs, you must take it then. What if in what if you're going directly for their golf clubs, but between here and there, you encounter something else that would also be a good cane proxy? Does that in any way impact your culpability? The only options are an actual cane that they own, a very nice umbrella that is properly Ella, Ella, a a a properly situated, and really that's it. Those are the only two items. I feel like with the umbrella, you've got a real risk of that point. Being very slippery, so you also then need to steal one of their tennis balls. I, I mean, then you're you're getting what you do two crimes. Now we're now we're stretching out. the The advice is only applicable for ones. It's one for one. Now, if they broke two crutches, then it's a different story. Well, I also think once you go umbrella with tennis ball, you're it's a slippery slope to old person with full walker and tennis yeah, balls. Yeah, the, the main problem with that is it just doesn't look cool. No, I had something I wanted to touch on. But I obviously, for what will become clear, want to do it at the end of the episode because it's going to be hard to be funny after this. Uh, I did want to touch on the passing of Alex Trebek. Uh, At the time of recording, we just found out about this yesterday. Obviously, we have, I think, uh, two dozen listeners at this point. So mostly it's our friends and family who I think are all feeling the same way we are. But thought I would be remiss if we didn't uh, pour one out for our guy. Absolute legend. Thoughts are with his friends and family and real, real rough 2020 kicking the balls. Yeah, uh, the one of the best there is, was and ever will be. Uh, it had always been a, a life goal of mine to make it on Jeopardy and get to meet the man in person. And sadly, that will never happen. But a, a thank you to Alex Trebek for literal decades of entertainment. I know you and I are both huge Jeopardy fans, and he just seemed like a genuinely good dude as well which yeah. you don't always get. So yeah, no, uh, definitely rest in peace to the man, the myth, the legend. Well, and on Monday's episode, today's, there was a category podcast 
And my thought was, fuck, if only they had done this two years from now, Alex Rebecca probably would have read a clue about this very podcast. Yes, that's the only reason we will never hear Alex Trebek read a clue about Pot of the Montecito is uh, his purely a his timing, timing issue. Yeah. No, we just ran out of time. That's clearly correct. Yeah. I said we're perfect on the intros. Didn't say shit about the yeah, outros. Accuracy does dwindle after the start. Well, on that shipper note, I've been Judd. He's been Ed. And this has been Pod at the Montecito. Deuces. More like Samuel Boo. No. Yeah. As I was saying, and I was like, well, I'm going to edit this out. Yeah, that was a that was a check swing that you tried to pull back and you did not get there in time. Point to first. Rang him up. Went. Yep. Well, that's what the old editing suite's for. <laughs> no one's going to know about this but us, unless this is the only fuck up and then ends up at the end of the episode. Could be a good so, for real. Look for me to fuck something else up later just to push this one out.